folks, welcome back to a very special episode of the uh, of the EAL show. Today, we're going to talk, I'm, actually, I'm not in the we, it's a different we. Jojo, you're going to talk with Beth Allen and Matt Cooper. I don't really talk either. This you is, don't talk? The, I, I say hi. You know me. You know me lurking in the shadows. You're always there. It's an EAL-less special Friday episode. But you're here right now, so you can you can tell them why they should listen. Was there a candle lit during this podcast that you did with Beth and uh, Matt? It was blowing in the wind. Right. That's what you were wondering. That's great. Elton John, is that? That's definitely, that's Ellen, candle, right? Candle in the wind. You know, it's a little young for me. Olivia Newton-John or Elton well, John? You're young for that. Hold on. Is it Elton John or is it Olivia Newton-John? Like a candle in the wind. That's Ellen. It's Ellen. What if we got sponsored by it? Because we get a lot of sunglasses, mid-rolls. What if Elton sponsored us? I thought you were thinking of Yankee Candle Co. Oh, that would be nice. Fresh teas, cut grass. That'd be nice. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, yeah, you may recognize Beth's voice from Breaking Mirfield when, uh, you know, she did the, um, she did the whole by whole flyovers and she's also in an Adventures in Golf episode coming up. Uh, the one it's, I think it's the next one that comes out. It's yeah. The London ladies. Yeah. So she was really awesome and helpful for that. And she's interviewing a guy named Matt who I, we had dinner with in Scotland mm-hmm. and I was like, wait a minute, you're basically, you, not only has he been involved sort of tangentially in some Adventures in Golf episodes, but, um, you know, he kind of lives an adventurously golf-esque life. He lives the creed. Also, incredible dinner. What was it? We just, people just started sitting down. Yeah, it just got bigger and bigger. The table was like, whoa. It was like, hold on now. The table itself was like, oh, these, these people, people are People don't eat dinner in this town. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so Matt, uh, yeah, I mean, you had a great chat with them. Uh, what was it like? It was, uh, you know, they're old friends. Um, and Beth is a, a tour player. Um, she's played in the L.E.T. and L.P.G.A. and Matt's a journalist, and they were able just to connect on a lot of the deeper levels um, than you would normally get uh, between the relationship between a professional athlete and a journalist who's who's honestly more interested in the stories around the game than the game itself, and that's kind of what his work has led him to. Respect. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely respect. Well, what did you see his bio? Yeah, it's amazing. It's a um, dreamer. Likes a sad ending. Yeah, likes a sad ending. I like that. It's dark. Um, before we get to the thank you to FanDuel, I do want to say that uh, we need your help, folks. Yeah, we need your help. I need you to call a phone number right now. Pull over. <laughs> Tell them the number. one eight three three my golf line Yeah, and what's going to happen right now is we're going to play you the theme song to a new podcast we're launching. It's really important that you call this number and... Get your swing tips, get your swing fix with our friend, uh, Jay Larson. He's the host of the podcast. He's a comedian and he's a writer. He's a producer. He's a director. He's an actor. And all around, you may remember Jay Larson from the last year's podcast. We had him on the show. And um, yeah, here's the, uh, here's the, uh, the opener, the jingle. I mean, I'm calling the number right now. Yeah, one eight three three my golf line. Golf line, golf line. Calling on the golf line for your swing, for your swing. Golf line, the golf clap. line. Claps too. Can't you call it on the golf line with Jay Larson? So yeah, call that one eight three three my golf line or one eight three three six nine four six five three five. You can also hit us up uh, anywhere you normally would. Golfline at randomgolfclub.com or hello at randomgolfclub.com. You, you got to call. You got to leave a message. 833 My Golf Line. It's not hard. 
leave a message. Jay's going to re- Jay's going to respond to your question. You're going to say, "Jay, I had this thing on the course the other day. Mm-hmm. Whatever the situation was, it can be curb your enthusiasm, it can be a swing tip, it can be where should I go play golf, it can be what what's on your bucket list, Jay?" Yeah, it's any question. And if you're like, oh, "I don't know what to say," just call and there's a handy little voicemail that'll tell you what to do, what information you should leave. So, yeah. Uh the, the sooner you do this, uh, the sooner you get to hear your question answered, you're not going to want to miss it. And if we feature your question, you're also going to get, obviously, free random oh, golf yeah. club gear. We're going to send it off to you. Anyone who gets a question featured on the show, we send off uh, we gear. We buy you a car. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, it's like Oprah. Yeah. It's a small car. All right. Now, the way we can do all that is thank you to FanDuel. Ultimately, you're going to get a no-sweat first bet if you're an RGC member, uh, which means you get up to $1,000 back in free bets. Uh, see to yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook because you're going to get paid fast using the Safe and Secure app, and they have great promotions every day. So use the promo code RGC to get started with your no-sweat-first bet of up to $1,000. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Use the promo code RGC. On to Beth and Matt Cooper. And don't forget, 833-MY-GOLF-LINE. Call now. Call often. We have one of my favorite golf journalists today, um, Matt Cooper. But you're my favorite for many reasons, but mostly because of your pop culture and eclectic references. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't just write about golf, you write about experiences, is yeah. what I like about you. Um, you're not the run-of-the-mill golf shot by golf shot. It's more about your travels and your experiences at events and things like this. So welcome. Thank you very much. I, I kind of did that. I did exactly that yesterday when I described my ventures around the course, which because we all know, of course, that getting golfers around this golf course is very difficult. Yeah. And getting spectators, what, well, 50, 60,000 people around the edges of this golf course is even more difficult. And yesterday I described it to a friend as, uh, if if Franz Kafka had invented a golf course, <laughs> this this was it. And and I've, I think I've said this about ten times, and everyone just stares at me. Eclectic reference. They, they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I I, I kind of quite like baffling people. With, <laughs> I know. And, it, and increasing, I, I think, I if I can entertain myself, I'm happy. And quite often, I think that's the only person I am entertaining. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm, you entertain me all the time. Um, I think we met because I tweeted about Sarah Silverman, exactly. and then you approached me at an LET event in Turkey, and we talked about Sarah Silverman, who's a comedian um, that isn't that popular over in the UK. What's, uh, what's your deal with her? Yeah, so I, I don't remember how I first knew about her, but yeah, I'd seen... I'd seen your tweet and then uh i think it was a swimming pool in a in a turkish hotel yeah. this, this sounds like a really weird story <laughs> I better stop this one uh but yeah you i saw you reading the book and you did promise actually to lend me the book and it that that was probably 11 years ago and i don't think i ever got it so i'm sure i have it yeah i'll bring it somewhere it, yeah. i'll bring so it to I the pub i don't remember where i first heard about her but um liked her found her funny mm-hmm. and yeah she, she's never really transferred to britain even though she went out with a, a welshman for a oh, long yeah. time yeah mm-hmm. yeah who is that? Michael. Michael, uh, I've forgotten his uh, forgotten his surname now. He played. Uh, he's very good at playing. Sheen. Sheen. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, well, you talked about your experience so far this week. But what's your favorite St Andrews memory apart from bringing me a bacon roll to the first tee yesterday to watch the first tee shot? 
Wow. Um, I've got quite a few, really, because I, I first came here in 1995, uh, and... That was quite f that was quite fun because um, uh, I'd never come. It was the second open I'd ever been to. This is actually my twenty fifth open. I well. started coming as a boy, and it's 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 expanded. How many have you missed? I've missed two or three, I think. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I can. Rem I have a very vague memory of trying to get into a. I, in, in my head it was a club, but I'm told there were no clubs in St Andrews in 1995, so it must have just been a bar that had loud music. And we were at the back of a queue, and the, the two guys in front of us, the security people said, you're the last two people to get in. And these two guys at the back of the queue turned around and said, those, those three guys are with us, which we weren't. And they How said, kind. no, they're not, but this is, this is where it gets good. They, both the pair of them were two legendary rugby players who your, your listeners may or may not know, a fellas called Mike Catt and Ian Evans. And it was just glorious. These two famous people went out of their way to be kind to three punters. And we got into the, we got into the club. And so wow. it's, not, it's not a very golfy thing, but it's a very, it's a very St Andrews thing because I've started to come back a lot for the Dunhill Links. And I've seen strange that, you know, I've seen odd things that Hugh Grant gets up to in town. <laughs> and I don't, I'm, I'm not being, that's, that's not a... No, I know. I, I'm not going down a, a weird route. I've seen, I've seen him sort of be offered free clubs in, in uh, golf shops and say he doesn't want to take the free... Because he, he was asked, would he tweet to say he got free clubs? And very honourably, he said, no, I'd rather pay. And then, here's, here's an interesting thing, he tipped the guy 50 quid. Tip the guy for the golf clubs. For the golf clubs, fifty quid. Yeah. Why? Uh, just then, just so then it wasn't free. Uh, yeah, he said, "I don't want to pay." I don't want to pay, but he, he didn't want to. He didn't want this fella to to feel bad when he had to tell his boss that Hugh Grant wasn't going to tweet that he'd got oh, free golf clubs. Oh. So I've, I, I thought it was quite nice of Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah. So I've been for a lot for the Dunhill Links. Uh, yeah, and. I've, I've been back to the Open every year since then. But actually, my completely favourite memory was 2010 when the wind got up and Rory famously hit that round in the 80s. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen this afternoon because in some ways it was a repeat because he'd gone low the first round. Um, and then I joked that day, I was camping the other side of the current campsite, and I joked that day, wouldn't it be funny if our tent got blown away? Oh, no. And at the end of that night, I was in the Dunvegan pub and my friend who I was sharing the tent with uh, phoned up and said, I've got a really bad sense of direction. And I thought I couldn't find the tent, but it's got nothing to do with my bad sense of direction and the tent's blown away. And oh, no. <laughs> with all your stuff in it? All the stuff. It, it, all our stuff was in the back of a white van. Oh, good. So yeah. your stuff was safe, but, but was, your it, yeah. house was not. Yeah, so they had to put us up in another tent. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously... We're talking about St. Andrews because we're here, but you've traveled the world. Yep. Um, give me your top three places. Is I can guess one. Korea wasn't. You had a great experience in yeah. Korea watching the. It was an, a ladies' event, the team event, right? That's right. So um, I thought there was something a little bit unique. Uh, uh, there was a possibility of something unique at the end of uh, 2018. So I was going to the Ryder Cup. In Paris, and we knew that it would be big. It would be big because, of course, the Ryder Cup is massive. And the week afterwards, it was something called the International Crown on the LPGA, which is a, a, a team event and eight teams. And a career, of course, is the hotbed of women's golf. And I thought I might be the only person who 
goes to watch the two biggest team events in this fortnight. So uh, it, it turned out I wasn't, but I think there was only three of us. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought it was an amazing chance to sort of see career. And I wanted to know what the relationship of career is with golf, because I think there's quite a lot of, and, and as I discovered, a lot of the information that we have is a little bit errant. So we've tended to fall for the, there's so many popular science books, especially about sport that talk about the explosion of Korean golf when Seri Pak won the US Women's Open. And it and it's all very well meant, but it, it it's almost like it suggests that all Koreans are hardwired mm. to be brilliant and successful. And I thought this can't be quite right. And also we've also led to believe that Korea is completely enthralled to golf. So I went there to have a little look. And what I discovered is, is that Koreans are kind of wonderfully mad. <laughs> so what they will do is if, if they love a subject, they will go all in on it. So um, probably my second passion after uh, golf would be bars. <laughs> and they give they kind of give a much greater insight into what how this works so for example it, all the little bars were were quite focused but whereas we might have like a, a beatles bar they had like a white album bar oh wow and Specific. my favorite of all of them was an utterly bizarre place tiny beautiful little bar it got just one uh, beer pump and behind uh, the the bar there were just loads and loads of albums and there was a uh, record player and you could pick which album you wanted to be played. But get this, all the albums began with the letter T. Oh my God. Just completely nuts. Now that sort of all in focus on just a wonderful detail kind of explains how when somebody really likes golf, they get totally into golf. And then also there's, a, there's, a, there's another thing about Korean golf that we don't know about, which is that they have like a history of fan clubs. So especially in women's golf, all the fans get really obsessed with one particular player. Mm. And uh, I discovered on that trip that Inji Chun, who, of course, the recent um, major winner, she really struggled with this because initially when she became a major winner, uh, Korean fans absolutely loved her. And then they turned on her and they were really quite vicious. And there's a bit of a link to this to this week. So I was chatting to a Korean journalist yesterday um, about the players in the field this week and I got talking about Inji Chun and he said if he says anything remotely critical of her the fan clubs will send like death threats to Really? Him. Yeah, so he said I've had death threats from people saying don't you say terrible things about Dumbo I know, D why is she called Dumbo? Well, well apparently, she's got, apparently I, I've heard it's because she's got exceptionally good ears <laughs> but that's the... <laughs> It seems seems I'm not entirely sure I believe that, but uh, right. yeah, uh, but apparently that's the case. So yeah, I really enjoyed. I thought career was fantastic, um, and I got like a real. I think I, I suddenly discovered that it's it's a bit more fascinating than just the sort of one dimensional notion of what what Koreans are like. Yeah, how many Korean players are in the field this week? Because you tested <clears throat> out your Korean. Hello. Yesterday, I did, yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I thought I was like really, really good, and he just. I think I just went and grunted at him. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Actually, I don't. Uh, Seri Kim is doing very, very well mm -hmm. at the moment, uh, and uh, Ju Hyung uh, was doing quite well yesterday. Yeah. Um, Sung Jae Im isn't doing so well. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember who else is in the field. Yeah, me Korean. neither. But that's three of of. That's I've pretty plucked. good. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Um, so apart from Korea, 
Is Nepal up there or? Nepal would be up there, yeah. So um, I went there because I I was kind of going on a holiday, but I also wanted to get a bit of golfing and I played Royal Nepal Golf Club, which is amazing and got to play with a girl called Pratima Sherpa, who um, she went on to, she'd fallen in love with golf and she was an amazing story. So she lives in a little hut um, uh, by the third green. Uh, her father's a greenkeeper. Her mother also works on the greenkeeping staff. She's she's one of sort of ten women who walk around the golf course in beautiful saris and they pick the weeds from the grass. It's like it's just it's kind of nuts to think that this would be the case. But it's like it's a wonderful experience when you go there because um, Pratima is kind of like the darling of all the workers because you know they these workers spend most of their time helping out sort of rich expats and, and rich locals and their this this daughter of their friend has picked up the game just by watching it started playing with sticks and then the club members have been fantastic once they realized she was good at the game they've really helped her out but she now plays with all the members and visitors and uh, and it's just wonderful to see that the the greenkeeper and staff just they still adore her because she's sort of like she's she's crossed the line that they've not been able to to do and she's now she's gone on to uh, college golf and she's become quite a good friend of Tiger Woods actually how? Yeah. so uh, they met at ESPN off the back of an article I wrote about her ESPN ended up making a, a bit of a film about her that did quite well I think it won a uh, some sort of weird little Emmy and Tiger Woods got to see it and invited her down to, to a camp and pulled her out of the crowd and got her to hit a few shots wow and uh yeah but that was really not, that was really cool because when i was in the greenkeeping shed she showed me a letter that he'd written now whether it, I, I don't suppose he had written it but um to see the joy on her face was like amazing yeah yeah i mean i would have loved to have been able to i wasn't going to introduce the subject at tiger woods press conference but there's a putting green in st andrews called the himalayas mm -hmm. and i almost wanted to say you know you're nearing the end of your career and it's like he played practice golf with a guy from Poland and I've been to the Himalayas and seen the impression he's made on golfers there yeah. that's that shows that the, um, the, the the game is like spreading to like really weird new places yeah it's no longer just like the western world that no, plays golf definitely not and uh yeah so and I also played the Himalayas golf course which um of course Eric knows very well mm -hmm. yeah so that was quite a special experience what's that like it's like it's just totally nuts it's it's like it clings to the top of a ravine then drops clean into the middle of it uh there's like this thunderous river that goes through the middle of the course that comes you know from the himalayas and it's like this weird milky white water and you're just looking at it thinking that's come from the top of the world to, cu to come down here and then I, w I played one hole and there was like where i play on the english welsh border there's quite a lot of golf courses on the top of hills and mountains and they've got like little wire fences around the greens to keep the sheep away and one of these holes had exactly the same thing and i said to my caddy what's this keeping away sheep because i haven't seen any sheep and the caddy went no no sir leopard <laughs> and like that i was like is a fence actually going to keep a leopard exactly out? i was like no self-respecting leopard would be put off by a couple of strips of wire but but more importantly i was like where the hell are, I, yeah, I don't like these? i don't like the idea of hitting golf shots while a leopard's creeping mm -hmm. about nocturnal the animals they would never come in the day yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's really strange about that golf course was there was a it's quite we're used to seeing hotels 
next to golf courses, but they'd built a hotel next to it. And then sort of just before it got completed, they got a bit bored of the project or something or ran out of money. And there's this really creepy, half dilapidated hotel that you have to sort of drive through to get to the course. It's one of the oddest things I've ever experienced going to a golf course. Weird. Yeah. How did they build that golf course? Um, uh, Some sort of old major um, designed and, and built it, I think. Yeah. That yeah. must have been yeah. outrageously difficult. Uh, top three. We were, I need to go on to my next one. My next one would be Kazakhstan. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was like a, almost like a complete flip because whereas, whereas Nepal was a little scrappy golf courses that, you know, everybody made the most of very limited resources, Kazakhstan was a, on a different level completely. It was like an oligarch's park with with huge lavish houses the clubhouse was the most idiotically lavish thing that i've ever seen in my life the golf course was an arnold palmer golf course with this huge backdrop of the mountains that beyond was china wow um and uh, yeah and i, I actually won the prime so i'm the 2009 oh. kazakhstan open prime champion it's my proudest achievement ever what event was there what event? It was a yeah. challenge tour. Oh, event. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Henry won one of those, I think. I, th- I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, and that one was worth quite a bit of money, I think. That was the biggest one. Yeah, it was one, kind right? of like the challenge tour major. Mm-hmm. So if you won that, you more or less guaranteed yourself graduation to the wow. European tour. What an interesting place to have that. Yep, I, I think, uh, and it was very strange. There was, <gasps> I one of the reasons I was desperate to go on the trip, and I was a little bit disappointed about this, was they they switched between two venues, and the, the one venue had a big hotel next to it that wasn't originally a hotel. It was a KGB sanatorium. Um, so the players said you would walk along these like corridors that were like half a mile long with like little rooms and you'd be staying in them thinking, my God, what happened here? Uh, it just really strange things must Whoa. have happened in this building. And I was desperate to go there. <laughs> I bet you were. And uh, instead ended up staying in a Hilton in the middle of oh. Kazakhstan. Not quite the same. Uh, yeah. What was that? What really shocked me about Kazakhstan was I thought going there with 150 mostly sort of young men, uh, just the Borat references would, would <laughs> just drive me mad after 12 hours. Like, not that I wouldn't appreciate the old one, sure. but I just thought nobody will ever shut up about it. And what was really fascinating was nobody made one Borat reference the entire time I was there. And I think it was because Kazakhstan's nothing like the, the version of Ka- Kazakhstan that Borat shows. Um, there was nothing to make us think, Borat. <laughs> yeah, so that in that sense, that's like proof that travel broadens the mind because I'm, I'm never entirely convinced that's the case, but I think sometimes it, it narrows the mind. But, um, but really? like, yeah, well, I think I've got the, very often it broadens the mind, but often people just just travel and just harden their their prejudices against mm. wherever they're going or, or and wherever they are mm-hmm. um, but in that case yeah i think it it, it it revealed that it's a slightly different place now you've said you've been in, so you've done a pro-am in kazakhstan and then yesterday you're telling me about a pro-am in some like lavish where was that um an island you, oh when you did the stay shore one yes in actual fact, this uh, this is slightly absurd. The week before the Masters, so uh, so I've won on I've won a pro am on the Challenge Tour, I've won a pro am on the European Tour. Last summer, I won the Women's British Open pro am. Oh yeah. Right, which was nuts because 
I, I totally genuinely birded the 18th at Carnoustie to, to win the <laughs> pro-am. That, 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 actually, that should actually be better than my Kazakhstan Open pro-am victory because that was like pretty special. Yeah. Because not only that, but loads of people I knew came out to watch me and I had like this eight-footer to, to hold it and we knew it was for the for the title and I just sort of dribbled it down and it just... <laughs> I, I knew all the time it was going to get there, but my playing partners thought I had mishit it. And I was like, no, it's, it's dropped. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's absolutely sensational. So that was your favourite pro so, moment, so, huh? so, so that, so, I've, I've, so I'd won on three different tours and then I played the Pro-Am on the Legends, which is the, the European senior circuit, the week before the Masters. And I felt, I felt like Rory, basically, because we were both going for the career Grand Slam. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've, so I have experience. I've been in, it, I've been in his head. I know, I know what it's like. The, the, the fourth leg, it's, just, it's, it's the hurdle, and I can't get over it. <laughs> How do you think he's feeling right now? What were you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, wait, so where was that station one? That was somewhere luxurious. That so that it? was in Mauritius. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've got into the slightly bizarre situation of sort of being Mauritius's leading golf writer. Um, by some sort of weird set of events and uh so i which is which means that i end up covering there's a senior event every christmas but it got delayed of course because mm. of covid and stuff so it happened just before easter this year uh and i've also been out to an event in seychelles off the back of that and then covered the european tours event in mauritius as well um so i've got to know a, a very bizarre part of the world yeah i mean Kazakhstan, Mauritius, St Andrews. The, the golf course in Seychelles is is absolutely amazing, and there's a uh, if you it's a tropical island, and it's it's very weird. It's got it's got two very distinct nines. If you know your PGA Tour golf well, you'll appreciate this. The first nine is very flat and in the trees, and it really resembles Wailai, host of the Sony Open mm -hmm. in Hawaii. And the back nine goes up and down a mountain and it's just like Plantation, which hosts the first event in Hawaii. So it's like a re really weird echo of that. Um, but a very, uh, but it's just between the 15th and 16th holes, you are allowed to go on to what is often voted the world's greatest beach and straw jet. And, you're allowed, and, and you've got the honour that you can go and have a swim and come back and whoever comes off the beach onto the 16th tee has the honour on whoever's just finished what? the 15th it's it's amazing it's like a, it's a, a dramatic course i've got quite a good story from from my first time i went there so we have to fly into the main island of seychelles and then you get on a little a little plane that takes uh, a few minutes and uh, actually the first time i went there the you just hop over to the smaller island about 10 minutes on this boat on this this little uh, plane and you, you sit in the plane and you can all see through the windscreen. It's that small. And uh, there were 10 of us and it was a full flight. And the pilot just came in and said, oh, you're all here, so we might as well go. Because we were due to fly at 5.45. So we flew at 5.25 and we arrived at 5.35. And my lift didn't arrive till 5.45 and he was really apologetic. He was like, I'm so sorry, I wasn't here, I wasn't here. And I was like, it doesn't matter, mate. We're not, we're not due for another 10 minutes. It's just, it's just ludicrous. But as we flew over... We saw sharks in the sea. So it was a 10 minute flight? Yeah, yeah. We saw like five sharks in the sea and Whoa. we were just like flying over them. It was amazing. Really, really thrilling. And then we got down and uh, when I got to the hotel, I cut my finger on a, opening a bottle of wine. Oh. Right. Uh, and then I went for a swim and I was out swimming 
and I went right out into the beach and then I suddenly remember, suddenly I thought to myself, oh God, there were like sharks in this water. I've just seen them. And I just cut my finger. <laughs> I'm like, I have never, I have never swam so fast <laughs> in my life to get to the, to get back onto, onto dry land. But, um, but the, the fellow who, who um, plays golf there, the pro, he fell in love with golf. There's a nine hole municipal thing on the main island. He fell in love with golf, wanted to become a pro, but knew that the pro there was never ever going to finish, and so he he became a pro, but had no notion that he would ever be able to fulfil the job he loves. But he, he just knew I'm never going to have a job here. Yeah. Uh, and then just as he qualified, the other golf course opened, oh, and he managed perfect. to fit, and it was like just this perfect, unbelievable, like um, neat thing that yeah. allowed him to. To, to do that but he, he's once played one of your favorite he played Muirfield once uh, in like a sort of Commonwealth event and um, just mind-blowing to think what it would be like to go from the Seychelles and it's amazing he's I think he was like 30 when he went there and all of his golf had been played on one nine hole and one 18 hole golf course that's wild like an unbelievably limited experience yeah but that's like interesting because um, you wrote about the was which Korean player is it that is here and had a good start but has never played links before and then you described it as like yes. it's all just a big green. Yeah, Ju Hyung, yeah. So he he'd never played Lynx golf, went to Scottish Open last week, finished third <laughs> and and I was like saying, What how, and yeah, got off to a great start yesterday. And I was saying to this journalist, How's he doing what's he doing? And he's like, he's we he doesn't know, we don't know why he's loving it, except <laughs> he's just pretending it's one green. And he's like, he finds it hilarious. He just puts from sixty yards and just thinks it's fantastic. It's, uh, and I think he's, I think he's like a little bit mind blown. This kid, but yeah. like having the time of his life. I think it's weird that whole thing about people who play links should be really good at links. All these British golfers should have massive advantage, but I don't really know if that's the case like i've played tons of links <clears throat> golf and i've never <laughs> i've never done really great and the only british open i've done well in is at woburn which right. is not which is part, really yeah. yeah yeah um and then we had like aldrich pot heater win the amateur and had never been to the uk before so it, it, it's funny how we put so much emphasis on people's experience on links and yeah then well it's it's two of two of my favorite things in in covering golf have been linked to that a little bit one was at Royal St George's in 2011 when Darren Clark won the Saturday the weather was terrible and all the British journalists in the press centre were like weather's terrible Americans going to go backwards Americans can't play Lynx golf and uh, at the end of that day I totted up all the scores and the Americans averaged a move like 10 places up the leaderboard and all the Brits averaged like 10 spots down <laughs> completely confounding yeah. all this sort of very uh, conventional wisdom is like a very lazy thing in golf and then the second thing was Jin Young Ko when we first ever saw her in, in major championship golf was at Turnbury in mm. 2015 oh that's right Jeff Brighton yeah. caddy for yeah Jeff Brighton it's mm -hmm. like that was the first time I met Jeff and um, Jeff Brighton's Colin Montgomery's caddy currently yes. oh I didn't know that yes. actually oh that's, that's yeah, yeah, very yeah. cool mm -hmm. yeah so um, the Friday of that tournament the weather was um, I've never seen dark skies in daylight like it it was just unbelievable the weather was horrific it, i know i played <laughs> yeah and this one player 
just got like a little duffel coat on and she was like, it wasn't literally a duffel coat, but she reminded me of Paddington and she was just sort of wandering around the links and she'd only like played nine holes in practice and she, she, she got Jeff to tell her where to hit the ball and then she just did it. And I can remember writing, this is, I just love the fact she's completely confounding all of common wisdom, which says you've got to play Lynx golf for 10 years to understand it. You, you've got to hone all your experience. You've got to become brilliant at doing this, that and the other. And then there she was just sort of like going, where do I hit it? Well, there. And very nearly won that golf tournament. Oh, yeah, should have actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know even yesterday I was watching Seamus <clears throat> Power playing the second and the pin on the second um, yesterday was tricky and he's like in the bottom front of the green and I thought for sure he was going to hit like a little low runner or putt it and he's like got a lofted wedge out and just and he's Irish and he's just like played you know a relatively lofted shot and you just think is this even a thing anymore like are people so I don't know if you know, I, I can't see I mean the first time I played Lynx golf was at the Irish <laughs> Open and I genuinely whiffed it twice <laughs> <laughs> like with lofted clubs from high rough I was trying to hit high shots just went under it which was cool um but you know I don't I don't think it's a thing anymore I think you can just do whatever works for you I don't well, know uh, well I remember very very clearly in 2013 watching Phil Mickelson at Castle Stewart mm -hmm. taking his lob wedge for a shot and as British people tend to do when someone when an American attempts a lob shot on a Lynx golf course, they treated his club selection as some sort of example of moral degradation <laughs> rather than just the fact that he was using a different golf club. Yeah. And he, he knocked it stiff and, and knocked it in. And then, oh, yeah, well, it's worked, it's worked this time, but it, it won't work in the long run. And just really sniffy about the whole business of what he did. He, he won that tournament and he won at, at Muirfield yeah, the next week. And... Uh, and I was doing like a little fist pump when all that happened because I I I genuinely love Lynx golf and I what I love about it is that uh, if people if you know that people love it they can be completely out of form but when they encounter it they find form because what it actually does is it it stops you thinking about your swing and swing thoughts because you're just presented with these shots and you've got to create them. So it can like spring you out into good form when you're when you're in a bit of a mess. Yeah. Uh, but and so I love that. But I also don't like the sniffiness of British people thinking that anybody who takes it on can't do it unless they've been practicing it for decades. Yeah, that is uh, that's totally the way it is. I totally get that. Um, so from here, where are you going? Um, <clears throat> uh, I will be going home, and then shortly after that, I'll be going to the women's. British Open in Muirfield mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to that so, yeah, yeah I'm a regular at that uh, and uh, and it'll be nice to see uh, it'll be nice to see that nine years after the last men's open was there mm -hmm. because it was quite a big story of course last time that um, it, it's it's a stage of one of the greatest tournaments and it's played on a course where women uh, at that time couldn't play we could play, but we couldn't join. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mm -hmm. should get that correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that. And um, I think it's I think it's really good that the women's is going there as mm -hmm. a consequence of that. I think it, mm, yeah, I do too. it settles things quite nicely. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's 
play, well, I'm lucky. I get to play often, mm. and it is absolutely amazing condition right now, and I think it's going to be an amazing stage to host it. And, um, of course, it's near Edinburgh, which is one of our favourite cities, isn't yes. it? Yes. So shortly after that, I will be going to the Edinburgh Fringe, which is uh, something we both enjoy going to. Yeah. Um, do you have a particular Fringe story you want to tell about a proposal? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, actually, a couple of Christmases ago, I did reveal to my mother that um, that actually I, I had been married all this time and uh, she was quite shocked. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, actually, there's, there's only one per well, one person I know who is present. Yeah, so this is really quite bizarre. You are the only person who knows that um, I'm actually married. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, except I'm not really. It was, uh, I, I, um, I, I was married to a fictional character at an Edinburgh Fringe show. Yeah, that was um, that was wild. And also, I don't know if everybody know. I mean, listeners may not know about the Edinburgh Fringe. So it's uh, well, they call it a comedy festival, and it's the entire month of August in yeah. Edinburgh. Um, and it, it's massive. Uh, but you can literally go to shows all day, every day, and it's the best. If if you, I mean, everybody should do it once. I think. And it's not just it's not just comedy. No. I really like like the random things, mm -hmm. like going to watch Korean dancing and. Japanese waving string about and things like that. And yeah. Puppet shows. Oh, like lots really, of puppet shows. Really sort of odd, weird things. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff for everybody, you know, cabaret as well. Um, legato, chocolat. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, mm. our, that's our other favourite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> Google yeah. that. Um, right. What's your next lavish golf trip, though? Where are you going abroad next? Uh, I don't actually know, to be honest. Um, so... Um, yeah, to, to a great degree, the, um, the the landscape's changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, it has done for everybody. But uh, um, but tournaments are not uh, are not being set up from the media quite so much. So it, it's a little bit um, tricky. tricky in that regard. Yeah. Is there somewhere on earth that you want to go and cover golf that you haven't yet? Yeah, I'd love to go to Argentina. Me too. Yeah, like. Uh, um, I've always been intrigued by the um, by by the legacy of of top class Argentinian golfers, and I'd like to trace the story of um, like the British took it out there to those old colonial golf clubs, and then like locals started play caddying and then playing, and so we we know all about like Roberto Di Vincenzo, who oh, yeah. won this event, and then. But he sort of he supported Vicente Fernandez to come over and have a crack at the professional game. But he said, if you do well, I want you to support somebody else. So I think he supported Eduardo Romero, and Eduardo Romero supported Uncle Cabrera. Uncle Cabrera supported Andres Romero. Yeah, and Uncle, it always makes me laugh that Uncle Cabrera didn't go to um, the Masters this year, of course, because he <laughs> no. was about to go to jail. It's, it's almost like it sounds like a Monopoly, um, and and. And of course, Phil Mickelson didn't go there, and it's it's amazing, really, that, that Angle Cabrera didn't turn up. It's like uh, Phil Mickelson actually managed to find a worse way of not being able to, I know. to, to go to the Masters. Um, but yeah, um, <coughs> yeah. So I'd I'd like to go there and just uh, investigate that legacy. I haven't been to South America at all. <laughs> I want to play golf there. Um, obviously, I didn't. So you didn't go to the Olympics um, in Rio, no. Um, I would love to do that. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I Good. 
Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so nowhere in South America. No, I've never been to South America at all. Wow. I got, I got to Mexico once, but but on that occasion, all I did was go on a horse and scare the life out of myself. Um, and then, have you been in the States much, covering golf? Um, no, never. Um, possibly, I, I've sort of got in, stuck in this niche of doing just odd things. Yeah, good. Yeah, so I've never been to America to to do anything. As a kid, I went and got some golf clubs. It was high excitement to go to Florida. <laughs> or we can go to... Everybody, like, in like British. Like big, big stores that sell lots of golf clubs which is like wildly exciting in the 1980s <laughs> i think it still is for a lot of people a lot of british people love going to florida and buying golf clubs <laughs> um who are your picks this week and how are they doing <sighs> they've not done very well uh, about the only good thing that could be said for my picks is i was very i thought the australians would do very well mm. um and cam smith threw a bit of a um, a bit of a curveball to everybody because he was talking about how M Mark Leishman fitted the course great, mm. was playing well, and then he's done badly and Cam's doing really, really well. <laughs> he did that on purpose, take some heat off himself. <laughs> yes, and um, um, Adam Scott, I heard was playing really, really well, mm -hmm. but he changed all his equipment on Sunday. Sunday? Who does that? <coughs> oh, gosh, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, so I mean, I was apparently the Titleist truck people were like, what's he doing? That's really weird. <coughs> Are you going to survive? I'm going to survive. Okay. Yeah, a little, little tickling we're back. Poisoning our guests over here. I know. <laughs> it's the, is it the Lac Le Mans? Do you want the Lac Le Mans whiskey? Will that help? Yeah, that might help a little bit. Oh, it's gone. It's just gone. Did you like some? I have it over here. Yeah, I'll have a little, I, a little bit. Might help. I think. <laughs> it Perhaps I should gargle it. Mm -hmm. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel <laughs> and <laughs> Mark Loman. It's I can actually not paid by them. It's I actually Lock Lomond. It's gone there, so I'm a bit better. Oh, yeah. Whiskey in the afternoon. We're in Scotland. That's Colin's glass. Uh oh, Colin Cooties. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, actually, one of my favorite favorite watches ever was Colin Montgomery in that tournament in Mauritius. Oh, yeah. And. I'm a big fan of Colin, by the way. Me too. Uh, uh, like, apart from anything else, watching a round of golf played by Colin Montgomery is top five things you can do in professional yeah, golf. poetic. He's, th there's just, you tick off all the, the Monty things, like the sort of the teapot, the huff. Yep. Like blaming somebody who's 500 yards away for <laughs> something. The the sort of, the rubber lips, the, the sort of staring at his caddy, the sort of half teapot, um, shoving his, his his hands into his pockets. Yep. There's, there's just so much. It's all yeah. That's Colin. Yeah, he's very animated. And um, and I just love it. And he's also he's also just absolutely fantastic for journalists because he just comes out with amazing lines. Yeah, he's a great. I mean, he's such a good speaker in public yeah. too. Yeah, but um, he made like one of the most fatal errors I've ever seen at a golf tournament. So rather controversially, this tournament was unbelievably hot and there were senior golfers and it was decided that they could take a buggy if they wanted 
Colin didn't for the first two rounds, and in the final round he decided he wanted a buggy. And once you've got uh, what the, the law was, well, the law, the rules were law. <laughs> the law. He has to do. It. The rules were that you, once you were in it, you had to stay in it, but also that your caddy couldn't travel in the buggy with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he went down the first, fine. Went down the second, got stuck in the trees. Then he got stuck in the traffic of the spectators watching. And slowly it began to occur to me that Colin was like microwaving himself in this buggy because the plastic buggy was the hottest thing in hell. Oh. And rather than like allow himself to not get exerted, he was actually just making himself hotter. <laughs> and then even when he could get through the traffic, he'd zoom off, get to his shot, and he'd have to wait for his caddy to turn up. So his rhythm was all to pot. And... It was amazing. He was playing a golfer who was actually just like a club pro who just... Was it match play or something? No, but it was like oh. a head-to-head. They were they were both sort of like four clear of the field in the final oh, round. Oh, I see. And this this club pro, it's his first year or second year on the senior tour. Mm-hmm. He's having a great year. And everyone was like, oh, well, he's up against one of the great Ryder Cup match players. He hasn't got hope in hell. And it was like, it's amazing. It was just like watching a great being taken down by... <laughs> It's like pure David versus Goliath. Wow! Except Goliath was melting. It was, was yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he, he was going red in front of our face. He was dri- It was it was just it was sensationally funny, but it, it can't be much fun for for Monty. But no. and of course, as you know, you know Monty let everybody know that he was even if he didn't snap at us, it was really really obvious that he was turning Unhappy. into a. <clears throat> Sort of melting jelly. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. <clears throat> um, that's certainly not the case here, is it? It's a bit rainy today. Yeah. How do you think that's gonna impact? <clears throat> well, early on, I think it's 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 allowed. It. I think the tournament was a bit weird yesterday. There was a good start, and then it all seemed to, as it got chilly, it seemed to sort of slow all the action down, and it all became a bit flat. Mm. But those players who played yesterday have actually had the opportunity to just start encroaching on the top of the leaderboard mm-hmm. and i think that's that's brought a little bit more life to the to the tournament um so i'm, I'm certainly when you were saying who are my picks um one of them was jordan spieth and he, he just made a birdie as i left to come and chat so i hope he's making a little bit of headway although it has to be said i have a very good stat for you which is that the last 15 opens at saint andrews um <laughs> All of the winners were within three shots of the lead after eighteen holes, and if that if that that really that, narrows it down, yeah. that narrows it down basically to the top four, which you know uh, Cameron Young, Rory McIlroy, and Barkley Brown, uh, not Barkley Brown, oh, uh, yeah. Barkley Brown. What a great name! I know. I think he starred in the nineteen fifty three film with Terry Thomas and <laughs> a few others. It's, it's it's pure character actor from the nineteen fifties. So good. There you go. There's there's another, another there's a cultural reference, reference that yeah. no one will get. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but it's Robert Dinwiddie. Okay. Robert Dinwiddie's a classic, by the way. So last night he was the least favourite person in the media centre because he was like finishing really late, <laughs> finishing tied third, and everybody's stories were yeah. like out of date. And uh, and he has history for this. He did it at Wentworth about six years ago, like post his like the low score on the Friday night <laughs> um, in the dark. And nice. like all his, I went and saw all his family and friends and was like celebrating with them all. And I was like going, they all hate him in there. <laughs> <laughs> Media centre really don't like your son. <laughs> Doesn't he have a local caddy this week? 
I think he might do. And he's yeah. actually he was born in Dumfries, so yeah. so there's it's quite it was, it was quite funny. One of the Scottish newspaper writers had written his story, and then he said. Um, he said he got back to his hotel and they said, "Do you know this? You know this bloke Dinwiddie you, you've ignored. He was born in Dumfries. <laughs> <laughs> like you better change your story. It's like they're they're so desperate for inside knowledge." Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am. Um, uh, who's who's? Oh, Cameron Smith. Uh huh. So those four are the uh, are the only four in the field who fit that trend. And even weirder. 13 of those 15 winners were within two shots and the two exceptions were actually one man uh, Jack Nicholas in the 1970s both times he was three so basically unless you're the greatest golfer in the world yeah you'd have to be within probably. two shots which means it's Rory or Cameron Young but uh, that could just be a trend that's that could be broken it's, it's ready to be broken yeah rather probably than ready to be maintained I would hope not because I'd quite like Rory to win just because I think it, it would be a good story for the 150th Open mm -hmm. yeah um, how much research do you do for all this? What kind of like, how do you find all these stats? Is it just internet stuff? I'm quite lucky in that I have access to a very good database. Okay. Yeah, which, which I, and I can ask unusual questions of it. Yeah, so. That sounds cryptic. Yeah, yeah, well just, you know, th I can I can say, I can find out stuff about who's leading at whatever round. Mm -hmm. um, I can even ask things like, how does a player perform in, above 20 mile an hour wind oh wow and, and i've got all the rounds that's assigned cool with who things does like that, that. Um, it's somebody else does it thankfully. okay yeah all right so that's yeah it's, yeah so it's not just you being it's, super smart i always thought it was yeah it, 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 it makes me sound like matt you know matt fitzpatrick records every round of his round it, it's almost like i do that for everybody not just it not just, <laughs> it's, no it's not like no, somebody else does it and i have access to it okay well i'll let you get back to that then and doing your blogging for the live stuff, right? That's what you're up yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Guardian this week, uh, doing that, and then a diary with Sporting Life. Yeah. Great. So hopefully, what I, uh, what I attempt to do is odd stories and a little bit of insight. Yeah, that's what you're best at. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks a lot, Beth. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good job, Jojo.